0: From the Pilot TV Podcast this week, we are starting a true crime podcast with Steve Martin, Selena Gomez and Martin Short in Only Murders in the Building on Star, fighting for justice with Steve Coogan in ITV's Stephen Lawrence drama Stephen, and finding out how Daisy Haggerty has been adjusting to life outside prison in the return of her BBC comedy, Back to Life. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, which is coming to you live over the internet, Finally. After some technical problems...
1: Is it that? In
0: a technological experiment. <laughs> Final, is it That like? is almost certain to end in tears, almost certainly Terry and Boyd's. Uh, we've chosen this week to broadcast our shambolic pilot recording session live and unedited for your enjoyment and, let's be honest, more likely amusement. So there will have been no opportunity for me to add all the little filters that compensate for the acoustics of whatever cupboards Terry is recording in this week, nor nor the chance for me to cut out Boyd's furious tirade over whatever broad terrestrial comedy series I've chosen to be elitist about this this week we are completely uncensored and off the leash what could possibly go wrong
1: can i just say before you carry on i am really enjoying how excited you are <laughs> it's like there's like Normal James introduction, and then this is through like a filter of insanity. I know. And every but day. I should point out, if we've gone
0: off script he's already, he's mostly this is all fucked. Go on, Boyd. What is it? <laughs> he's know. mostly
2: extra excited because he's got it to finally work after the initial trauma. It's relief more than anything.
0: It's also, listeners, I should point out both Terry and Boyd are getting twatted during the course of this podcast because they're both drinking champagne. I, on the other hand, am mainlining a family sized bar of dairy milk, so I'm on a little bit of a sugar rush. You may have to bear with me. The weird could well come off.
1: Yeah, and, But we're
0: and getting ahead of ourselves. No,
1: can I just interject once more? Go to on, say? go you on. You say just... we're going off script. You mean that me and Boyd are speaking? Yes,
0: you are speaking when I have yeah. not bidden you to speak. Okay. That is basically okay. what it I'm saying. It it what I'm going to tee up now is why? Why have we chosen to open up Pilot to, let's be honest, possible litigation by pouring our unfiltered and unvetted thoughts straight into the ether thing? Because, because, listeners, now viewers, Uh, today marks the end of an era because it has been three years and 151 episodes since we three bellens first climbed into the recording studio uh, and decided to bang on about the telly that we had been watching. Three glorious years in which we have shone a light on televisual masterpieces, uh, contemporary and historical, like actual Banshee, and lest we forget that show that Terry once watched on tick and couldn't quite remember the name of. But... As the finale of Star Trek The Next Generation told us all those years ago, all good things must come to an end. And this is Terry's final pilot TV podcast before she, like Jon Snow, heads back up to the grim north to live out beyond the wall as a wildling. But I am joined today, one last time, by my two original co-hosts, first up, a man Who, and this is absolutely true, is beaming in tonight live from a remote cottage in Suffolk. He attempted to go on holiday, but we trapped him down regardless because there is no escape from the Pilot TV podcast. It is the Lost Boyd. Hello, Boyd.
2: (laughs) Hello. uh, Apologies in advance if uh, you hear a yappy dog in the background. (laughs) Or yappy human beings, equally. It may, they may intervene and interject. Do you think they're watching like the stream there.
0: downstairs? Do you think they're watching? Oh, God, no. I didn't, I didn't even tell them how to watch it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. They're drinking. Just oh, good God. Way. Well, so are you two. So this may work out well. Uh, yeah. But also, also joining us for what I can almost not believe is the very last time is a woman for whom no drama is too grim, no fantasy too shite, and no episode of Married at First Sight Australia too ridiculous. She is our queen. She is our compass. She is our northern star, despite being from the Midlands. It's Terry White. (laughs) Terry!
1: I think that's that's the nicest introduction you've ever given me. Oh,
0: thanks. I do try. Okay, well, I don't really, but I did this time. How are you feeling? I enjoy,
1: I-, I enjoy the fact that it took me quitting <laughs> for you to give me a nice, respectful, <sighs> caring. I mean, let's not get carried away. Um, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. This, I'm, i I'm, I'm emotional about this one. I have to say, Pilots our baby, and has been our baby for a few years and it's very special and this this i'm not saying i'm feeling more emotional than empire um but i am
2: saying
0: um (laughs) say it it.
1: holds a special place and and um this is this is out of all the little bits of my job um this is one of the bits i'm going to miss the most
0: oh bless i i I, I
1: mean not you well
0: obviously and i can tell because you haven't changed your name from last week which still says james can fuck himself so thank you for that
1: Yes, but context. So we obviously we have our screen names every week. And occasionally when we remember, we make funny riffs on um, the TV shows we're reviewing that week. Or I just choose the one with loads of swearing in it. And obviously last week, um, you'll have listened and known we did Kevin Can Fuck Himself, which I adored. And so it seemed only right that my name for last week was James Can Fuck Himself. And then I thought, you know what? This is an evergreen message, really. It's not. It's not about a time and a place. This is forever. James can fuck himself.
2: (laughs) That's your parting thought. You're going to change your actual name by deed poll to James can fuck himself. (laughs) Yeah, why not?
0: But should we we jump straight into what we've been watching? Terry, Terry, what have you been watching in this, your last week of preparation for the Pilot TV podcast?
1: Well, so it's been a weird week um, because um, my child has been ill and that has severely cut down my viewing time of pretty much anything. But in the hours when I was, like, sat up with him and, and doing motherly things, I went full into my safe spaces. And my safe spaces were Laura or Duress for You. <gasps> of course it was. Sex in the City and the final season of Girls. And I mainlined all three intermittently whenever we were in the house and he couldn't sleep or, you know, I got, he fell asleep for half an hour and, and I got some uh, me time. I basically mainlined those shows. So I've seen nothing any good, nothing new, nothing that would have served me well on this podcast, as is my <laughs> job. I retreated back um, to my very, very, very safe place and it was glorious.
0: Oh, that sounds like a good... What about, told. what about
2: though, sorry, uh, I have to um, ask, what about the Handmaid's Tale finale?
1: <gasps> oh my God, how did I forget about the
0: Handmaid's Whoa! Tale finale? I mean, I hell. think only dogs could hear you then. Sorry, Terry, what was that?
1: Oh my God. <laughs> I have lost all sense of time and space. Um, so No live no spoilers. For the
0: love of God, no live spoilers.
1: No, no, no. no. This is going to be, because obviously we can't mark this up and, and warn you, no spoilers. And this will be the third week in a row talking about The Handmaid's Tale. And I know how much James enjoys it when I do that. Yeah. About, <laughs> That's <laughs> why he
2: didn't I'm remind watching. you mm-hmm. that you'd seen it. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. But let me just say, and there. I think there are some people watching this who have also been watching The Handmaid's Tale this season. And that finale, and not, not an ounce of spoiler in this, was one of the boldest, most batshit finales of television, even by Handmaid's Tale standards. Fuck me backwards it was amazing and i can't wait for everybody to see it and i've got so many things i want to talk to you about it so if anybody did watch it and wants to like slide into my dms and talk about it in great detail i am very much here for that it was absolutely impeccable wow the end
0: the end boydy
1: really the end
2: well i i uh i am on holiday um Uh, I've been on holiday. This is like towards towards the end. Hang on, hang on. You're not taking a holiday from TV because that
0: would just blow my mind. No,
2: no, 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 I didn't. But I have taken a holiday pretty much, apart from the shows we're reviewing on this today, I have pretty much taken a break from watching TV that would be suitable to discuss (laughs) on this podcast. But Terry, I think, will be particular. You will be thrilled. Terry will be extra thrilled and delighted to know that one of the things we have been doing me and my uh, friends who are here in this in this um, farmhouse in Suffolk, is watching episodes of Bullseye. What? The,
1: Ooh, yeah. well The darts.
2: But the, yes, the darts-based ITV um, tea-time quiz show hosted by the legend Jimbo, now sadly not with us. Um, it ran uh, for 14 years, from the early 80s to the mid-90s, um, and, you, and it's all on YouTube, by the way. I mean, Challenge TV, Challenge the Channel, which is the quiz show channel, shows old episodes frequently, but it's all fucking on YouTube. And I let me tell you, there is there is no greater way of chilling out of an evening than guzzling some red wine and watching old episodes of Bullseye it's fascinating because it genuinely does. First of all, there's famously one of the people who took part ended up being the, the killer who was in featured in that show, The Pembrokeshire Murders. Mm. Right, he was, He's known, in fact, as the Bullseye Killer. So there is a link to prestige TV drama. But even without that link, Bullseye is a fascinating insight into culture and society, in the, particularly from the 80s, all the 80s ones, like Jim Bowen, just how he treats the women, because there are kind of women dance players, female dance players that take part, and obviously he treats them differently to the men and just the the outfits the hairstyles the the attempts at comedy (laughs) um it's absolutely fascinating and and i've loved it so yeah
0: one it's been one of the extra joys of this this pointy i'll be honest like i love a rewatch you know i love a rewatch i gotta be honest with you yeah bullseye is not one i'd have picked for a rewatch that seems like an unorthodox choice you surprise me james
1: you surprise me. No, but me. it is. It's a it's a societal study of a specific. Yes, time Terry. And place
0: that's what it British says in the Radio Project. Times. It's a societal study of.
1: <laughs> it's a societal study, and let me tell you, the Jim Bowen point is a very good one because um, me and my boyfriend went through a weird phase of watching Bullseye before bed, and the some of the Jim Bowen lines are amazing. Just and also his pure baffled face when there's a female <laughs> dance player. Like, yeah. he's always like, go yeah. on, uh, go yeah. on give, it your, give it your best shot, love, don't worry about <laughs> yeah. it, don't worry about it yeah. if you uh, if you don't get it. And then whenever they do well, he's like, oh, what, she's all yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. The perms, like, are yeah. insane. It is a different time. And, and also, also isn't he like our age in bullseye?
2: Yeah, yeah, when he started, yeah, in, in when he, yeah, exactly. For 15 years later, he looks about he looks about 100, yeah. But in the early days, yeah, he's not that old, and he looks ancient, and he's got his glasses get thicker and thicker. By the time of the, like the mid 90s, it's like literally like eight eight inches of glass between him, um, and 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 talking to us. But also, not only the fashions and everything, but the because it's British. And if you British I've seen a lot of American um, primetime um, quiz shows, and the American contestants are like, oh, show busy and they're loving it, and they're all like, you know, the British contestants are, um, are terrified and can barely get a word out. So Jim's trying to get them to chat about their what they all, you know, what they do for a living, and they're all like, um, I'm a I'm an accountant. And he's like, Oh, that must be fun. And he's like, Yeah, I guess. And you know, it's 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 some brilliantly excruciating moments in it and it, it, it is absolutely fascinating and as, as Terry says when, when a female darts member comes up the guy who does is the darts go commentates on how they're playing the dart goes he always goes take your time take your
0: time <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. away, <laughs> down. he never says that to the men never says that to the men
2: it's it's well, so whoever funny, had the honestly.
0: sweepstake and thought a yeah. 10 minute monologue about bullseye would be on the final Terry's final episode of pilot then uh, well done yeah. that was uh that was that was nicely done here I've... I knew you'd thank appreciate you. it um, thank James.
1: you yeah yeah have you not seen, have A you bullseye, seen the sure,
0: because way, way, way back many yeah. centuries ago in like the 1980s when we only had three TV channels, I'm sure it was on at some point as I sort of wafted through a room. But I don't understand the rules of darts. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, I know you throw the wafted. little pointy things at the little board thing wafted. and you try and hit the things. But uh, and that weirdly the bullseye. Isn't actually oh. the best thing to hit, which just blows my mind. But never mind.
2: Well, it, it frequently is, but it well, depends. Yeah. But also the prizes are fascinating as well. The VCRs, the old video cassette. Even you'd be fascinated by that. And yeah. like the hi-fi MIDI systems and all things. And they win a speedboat. <laughs> you know, remember Peter Kay? As a am oh, sorry. Yeah, win a speedboat. It's the it's so that um he did this brilliant um Peter Kay did this brilliant routine about you know all these like people in the north like, with boats in their gardens that have won them on Bullseye. It's like so weird that there's these boats and when it when it when it's a, it's either a car right. or a holiday or a boat basically the big grand prize and when it's a boat you can see the expressions on their faces <laughs> what the fuck are we gonna do with this boat yeah this massive boat so I mean there's comedy as yes. well James
0: well you know how I love comedy
2: and even though you're you're and uh, do you like the fact that even though you're pulled you went on about it for about 10 minutes I'm still I, I do appreciate that
0: boy I do I mean this is not quite 17 minutes Game of Thrones monologue territory but you know we're getting there we're certainly getting there um I will tell you what I've been watching this week. Now, you will all be pleased to know. Unfortunately, Terry, I couldn't finish my Friday Night Lights rewatch in time for your departure, but I have got into the final season now. I'm in season five. Now, yours is on pause, isn't it? I'm right in saying. Okay. So I won't spoil yes. anything, yes. but suffice it to say, there is a change up of the format of the show, sort of just over halfway through. And I think they pull it. I think you in particular will love the change, absolutely love it. Um, and mm. uh, it's amazing how they. Pl-
1: Change in what way? Well, if I tell you it's going Changing... to ruin it, so I'm not going to tell you. I know, but just give me a uh, clip, so, like. so
0: obviously the nature of this, this is, it's a high school show, right? So yeah. they graduate, oh, I so obviously that. there's got to be a certain amount of cast turnover. Oh, so there is a change in the cast. Michael B. Jordan, who you know, I think you know is in the show. Uh, he mm-hmm. comes in in season yeah. four. But it's a big change. And what they do with your sort of pre-existing loyalties, I think is really interesting. So I'm, I'm absolutely loving my Friday Night Lights thing. I will, of course, be bereft when it's finished. But that's not the only thing I've been watching this week. So Apple made the first four episodes of Foundation available. Now I clearly cannot talk about Foundation because it's absolutely embargoed and I absolutely cannot talk about Foundation and Breaking Embargo live on air because that would be insane. So let's talk about the Foundation trailer and I have to say it was a fucking brilliant trailer. I loved that trailer. I thought that trailer must have cost all the money in the world like the money is up there on screen all the way through that trailer. It is very very good I will say the trailer is quite dense occasionally to the point of being impenetrable in the best possible way and when the trailer finished I was absolutely bereft and I need more of this trailer in my eyes as soon as possible because it's a great trailer and I love the trailer and I can't wait to see more trailers of this show
2: oh you think you're so clever <laughs> not you I
1: can't believe you're fucking air quoting yeah, trailer yeah I mean
2: fucking hell can I just say I have also I have also watched the trailer of the of Foundation
1: good <laughs> <laughs> so oh my God. Do you know what? And I
2: found the trailer absolutely yeah. fascinating.
1: You too. You don't need to worry about going on with the pilot TV pod without me because you're both about to get fucking fired.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. On that note, let us move on to listener questions. And the first one we have is from the head of Apple TV. And she would like to know. <laughs> Just kidding, kids. Just kidding. Just um, kidding. We do have a bunch of listener questions that people send in. I do have visibility on the comments, although they're going through very, very quickly. Uh, so there is one comment that someone did ask Boyd, which I wish to pass on, and it is, which celebrities are you currently mm. on holiday with? Is it Ricky Gervais downstairs? Who is it? Like, you know, uh, <laughs> can, can they come in and do a cameo? Um, no, they're not. I'm not actually on holiday with any celebrities, as much as I'd love
2: to. I mean, Alan Partridge. We Don't believe him, in listeners.
0: Norfolk Don't believe him. Boyd surrounds. doesn't know anyone yeah, but who I'm isn't at actually- least peripherally famous. It is true. Anyway, right? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Right. Let us get. I mean, I have been on holiday with famous people before, but not <laughs> okay. this time.
1: Go on, go on. Tell us your best. To well, learn Carolina Hearn history. and
2: Carolina Hearn. Oh, I went to you? New York with Carolina Hearn. Yeah.
1: That is the greatest. Yeah. That is the greatest. It was one of
0: the greatest experiences of my life. Yeah but uh but let's go on to these questions let's go on to these questions these are mainly asked at terry obviously we would normally deal with one question but it's terry's last show so we opted to take on a raft of questions over twitter aimed almost exclusively at terry in classic terry fashion i shared these with her beforehand so she could prepare but she couldn't be fucking bothered to read them so she hasn't prepared so this is going to be completely off the cuff let's see how this goes okay Terry. first of all we have one from rob turner and he wishes to know As you and James go your separate ways, which episode of The West Wing will forever bond you in acquaintanceship?
1: Um, uh, uh, Cathedrals.
0: Two cathedrals.
1: cathedrals. Is this because I
0: regularly curse you out in Latin?
1: That, and also, um, uh, that was the episode where I understood your fanaticism because (laughs) I, I really enjoyed it and really respected it until that episode. And that episode was completely floored me. And you are so schmaltzy and uh, romantic about the show. And so, like, all in on this show. And that, that, I was like, got it. I understand now. I totally understand. Um, but you will, whatever happens between us, James, over the course of our lives, you will always be... The man who brought me the West yes. Wing, and I will always be grateful. Oh,
0: as as well you should. It is the greatest of all things. Uh, but yes, that's a good choice. I was thought it, I thought you'd maybe come up with something like celestial navigation, which is one where Josh is particularly insufferable. So I thought maybe that's you know that's that that's how you'd remember me. No,
1: I mean I don't need an episode of the West Wing <laughs> to remember yeah. you as completely that's insufferable. Fair. Let's that's be fair. frank.
0: Okay, okay, right. The next one is from George, and George wishes to know. What are James and Boyd's worst TV shows they like and best TV shows they hate?
1: Well, so I think Boyd generally has, you know, pretty impeccable taste in TV. James, well, <laughs> look, you, we have our disagreements on, on certain fantasy shows. Um, you're, as just proven by the, um, the reference in the previous section... Comedy is not really no. your thing. Um no, as, as a man who I gen, like genuinely you're a funny guy. What like, in, you like, in a, a good fellow
0: fashion? Like I'm a, like I'm here to amuse you. That's it. I'm a funny yeah, guy. Exactly. I'm a funny how <laughs> yeah. funny how Terry.
1: <laughs> um, I'm gonna shoot you in the foot. Oh god. Do you think I like if I was gonna shoot you anywhere, I would right. shoot you in the foot. Um, but that's a, that's for another time. Um, but the point being that um, you are a very funny man. And you're a brilliant writer, and yet you don't watch comedies, which is essentially really funny people <laughs> writing brilliantly. So that still baffles me. And I think it's the the thing I struggle with with you the most, actually, because we can have a laugh about fantasy, but <laughs> your refusal to really engage with comedy, I find bizarre.
0: That is fair. Let's that is this. fair. I think that's true. Uh, we've got another one here from Felicity Kate, and she wants to know question for Terry. Can she please not go? And can we please have her sign off the podcast with calling James a end? That's not a question so much as a demand. Uh, we'll see what we can do with that, Felicity. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's a comment, not a question. And I fully approve of that comment, not a question
0: uh paul paul wants to know at the risk of crossing the movie slash tv streams something i know you're very careful not to do uh if terry woke one day to find the rest of the world had forgotten buffy how long would it take her to remember all the songs to once more with feeling
1: why would the world have forgotten buffy
0: which yesterday isn't he's doing the plot of yesterday Uh, like his
1: riff yeah i suppose so well look
0: hashtag it must be bunnies i probably should have read that bit Mm
1: mm-hmm I mean, do you know what? Like, I used to know all the words. Um, I actually think...
0: Feel free to sing now. Well, We're only live on the internet. To, Just go do nuts. You know what?
1: I actually think I sang once on camera. I did one of those, like, Channel 400 Greatest Musicals thing when I was, like, 22, which they still show every few years. And somebody goes, why, do you, why are you on the telly looking weird? And I'm like, because, you know, that's what I used to look like um, as a child. But I, <laughs> And I think I'm pretty sure I sang on camera and they didn't use it funnily enough, in the final edit. <laughs> I think I would struggle to remember all the words now.
0: I recall, Terry, that when you had first your first year at Empire for Christmas, we went all out for an office karaoke thing. Yes. And as I recall, you and I did a duet of Starship. Do you remember this? Yes,
1: I do remember this. Yeah.
0: I, I, you, I think you were great. I don't know why they would have cut it out and not used it.
1: I mean, after I can't believe in six years we've only done karaoke together once. When... You love karaoke. Yeah. I used to do karaoke three to five yeah. times a week. Like, how did this happen?
0: I don't know. And we at Empire used to do karaoke quite a lot. So I don't quite know how that's fallen, by the way. So obviously, for the last 18 months, not really had much of a chance. But uh, maybe we will we will resurrect it and get you to come down and rejoin us for Well, a maybe
1: this be could good. be the next stage of our friendship is the karaoke, karaoke years. Karaoke years.
0: Oh, that could be good. We'll see if we can live stream that as well. That might be fun. Um. Daniel Burley wishes to know, please ask Terry if she will finally watch all of Fire Escape.
1: Absolutely fucking not.
0: <laughs> I believe the answer is, will I fuck? Uh, no, I think that's probably not. AJC has a question. What has been Terry's favourite moments from the podcast? And what were the top three most memorable dire bellend highlights slash lowlights? Okay, AJC, we need to have some words.
1: Best. Best bits from the podcast, There's, it's hard to say specifically because what it is, is you'll be, we will be recording together, which is usually on a Friday morning at mm. some and point. And um, some bits, some, one of us will say something and it will be like a genuinely really funny, warm, brilliant moment. And I think one of the things that I've loved about doing this podcast is for whatever reason, we have a weird, slightly dysfunctional and yet ultimately very loving chemistry between the three of us. And sometimes in an episode, it just clicks, and we just have a little moment, the three of us. And that's my favorite bit of doing the podcast. And it happens every few episodes. Probably not going to happen tonight.
0: <laughs> Almost I certainly not.
1: Internet. <laughs> but that's what, I, that's what I love. And look, James, it's hard to pinpoint. I mean, the 17-minute the Game of Thrones is up there. Um, I mean, any number of fire escape uh, rantings would definitely be up there. C, we, obviously we had the recent oh, Seagate, the initial Seagate. Oh my God, when you went away and we reviewed, what was that shit show? Um, oh, uh, oh, the, the, what was the, that the show? Carnival Row. Carnival Row, and you came Carnival back Row. and didn't say anything to us for a week. Clearly, sat on it, fuming, and then upbraided both of us live on the podcast <laughs> I loved Carnival Row. for daring to not like a show which, you know, many other people maybe didn't also enjoy. It's a masterpiece. Um, I mean, there's there no Fate a- the Wink
0: Saga, but it's a fucking masterpiece.
1: I mean, but there is there mm. is a there is a list. There is a list.
0: Yeah, I must admit the, the C rant that you went on last week was one of my personal highlights of this podcast. Genuinely, genuinely, that really did make me giggle. Um, right, we have another question now. Uh, this is from James Horton, and he says, first of all, thanks so much for the work you all do making the podcast. You're very welcome, James. Uh, whenever i get the chance to listen to an episode it's always a highlight of my day that is lovely to hear Uh, i'm sure you've received loads of questions but here's yet another one has doing the podcast introduced you to any particular shows or even genres that you've really liked or loved but you don't think you would have watched if the podcast didn't exist
1: I think we've all, maybe not Boyd, because Boyd has watched everything since the beginning of, of time. I'm presuming Boyd came out of his mum, like, you know, holding on to a remote control. But <laughs> I think you and I, James, and we we are probably a little bit more binary than Boyd in that Boyd is a well-rounded human being who can appreciate most <laughs> things if it's good and well-made and all of those things. You and I are stubborn and difficult and yeah. take yeah. against things for no reason. And I think one of the joys, I think I said this to you recently is watching you fall in love with a show like um, I Am, mm. which you would never – I could have pitched that to <laughs> you and you would have never in a million years watched it. You'd have been like, oh, oh, wibbly wobbly, you're like wibbly-wobbly, poverty-porn, wibbly-wobbly, sad women. Like you would have absolutely never watched it ever. Yeah, And – Wild Horses wouldn't have made you do it. And you watched it for this. And somehow you went in with an incredibly open mind and you loved it. And you were like one of the most vocal supporters of it. Mm. Um, so I think you've probably been more open-minded than we may have imagined.
0: I think I think that's an interesting thing. I think you, you're right. Like Boyd is, you know, like TV guy. He just by osmosis sucks in every single thing that's broadcast directly into his brain. Sometimes multiple things at once. Uh, you and I sort of vaguely, occasionally peer out from our little silos that we refuse to exit. Uh, like you're like, oh, I I smell fantasy shite. Best batten down the hatches and close the doors. Uh, and I will avoid anything kind of miserable and gritty and sort of like you know sit on a council so uh, but or funny or funny or funny indeed <laughs> funny. Um, but yeah i yeah. think that's part of the joy of doing this podcast is it's sort of opened our doors to as you said like genres we wouldn't normally you know appreciate or watch so yeah it's 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 been lovely i mean i tried didn't you in... didn't
2: you at one point even watch married
0: at first sight australia i did oh. terry force what did i get you I to mean... watch in return it was like i had to watch that and then in return you watched something
1: well, was fact- it peaky is blinders that- it was peaky oh, blinders B- i think B- it was peaky yeah. blinders
0: which you didn't stick on with but the less about that the better um yes i did watch that i did in fact watch married at first sight australia and didn't you quite enjoy it i mean look no i look i I appreciated the absurdity of it and i texted people there was a there was a very lively empire whatsapp discussion going on in the married at first sight australia empire whatsapp group which no longer exists thankfully uh but uh so i enjoyed that but no i mean i would never voluntarily watch that shit.
2: Married at First Sight UK starts next week, James.
0: No. Monday. Day Monday, E4,
2: 10 o'clock. I've got it.
1: I can't. I I won't be able to talk about this. Boys, you're going to have to hold the side up.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. But, yeah, just text me and I'll, I'll relay your... your but I, my my single victory is, like I couldn't get you to love Fate the Wink Saga. I couldn't get you into Carnival Row. You rejected Sea outright. My victories that I will cling to till the day I die is when I showed you episode one, which we reviewed, of season four of The Expanse, you really liked it. And not enough to obviously continue watching it, because don't be ridiculous, <laughs> but yeah. you came back and you went, do you know what? This was actually really good. And then I showed you season five, which was more story-based, and you didn't like it. But that and... Game of Thrones and I think this is, this is the most Terry thing ever it's the thing I love most about Terry is that we watched the final season of Game of Thrones Terry came in cold you watched it and after the, you know the Battle of Winterfell The Long Night you were like that might be the greatest episode of TV ever it has it was just incredible it was big screen like values on the small screen I can't get over it I am loving it I'm loving it I'm loving it and then you didn't watch the final episode because <laughs> you were off that week never went back to it and then just never watched the show again and that right there yeah. is peak Terry White
1: Yes it is Pete Terry White. yeah yeah well look, you know I've got like a life to live and loads of good things to watch, and so if something catches my you know eye and I get the shiny into it, object mm. shiny object but it's it's hard man, like there's so much amazing stuff to watch there is but yeah, Game of Thrones was it was that was kind of me at the extreme and i <laughs> I still think maybe I'll have a bit more time on my hands coming up, maybe I should develop a new watch list and Definitely Peaky's going on there because I'm determined to give Peaky its proper due. So don't, mm. I don't think I've done that yet. Um, and then I'm sure I'm going to... Look, I think the more distance I have from you, I think the more willing I'm going to be to give Game of Thrones a
0: go. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Yeah.
2: Because you won't have someone judging you constantly. I think I will. I'll just be doing it off
0: yeah. air, so you know, just be just be more remote. Uh, we have one more question here from Stephen Thomas. It's more of a traditional question, and he says, obviously apropos of nothing, what are the best examples of a main character leaving a series and then returning, either for a guest appearance or rejoining the series, or the worst? You know, presumably, this is wishful thinking, but well, Terry's got a hand up. That's not how a podcast works, but go for it.
1: So I'm very much enjoying this now being a visual. <laughs> because if you listen to the podcast, you'll realise that about three times a week I go, you can't see what I'm doing right now because it's an audio medium. Dawn in the office goes away to America. I love it how um, uh, people like um, Lee call it America. Do you know what I mean? Or the States, mm. capital T, capital S. Anyway, Go to America um, uh, and came back, obviously, for the Christmas party. So it was a Christmas special. So I don't know if that's cheating a little bit because she didn't come back into the, you know, but anyway, best Christmas episode ever. Greatish return. I've said this a million times. Walking across the office to Tim, the moment when you spot her in the background, everything about that was so well handled. Classy as fuck.
0: <laughs> Classy as fuck. That, that is the right answer.
2: Yeah. Sometimes there's a right or wrong answer.
0: And ne- neither are you right going to go for Bobby like, yeah. Ewing or, would like you to, know, completely. it was all a dream.
2: Well, no, I, Bobby Ewing was absolutely spectacularly <laughs> stupid and <laughs> was so entertaining to watch. I remember watching that live on TV because I used to watch Dallas and Dynasty and Cole was always with my mum. And, and that was absolutely incredible. Yeah, to be fair, incredible. My, my listeners know my favourite word. But, um, but Dawn in the Office is the right answer. Um, although Rose Tyler coming back, Billy Piper coming back for the Doctor Who fiftieth. She was she was a kind of like an iteration of another thing, but basically, yeah. But she came I mean, back before her, then, just to see her. If you
1: remember, didn't she? Yes. So she came yes. back. Yeah. And and I I was torn over the when she came back. Um, but the I mean the moment her and her, the tenth Doctor saw each other. And the way that resolved yeah. was a little bit messy for me. But yes, that Earth was like handled impeccably. Boyd,
0: uh, in the comments, someone has pointed out, uh, presumably they're doing the drinking game. Can we get a live bold and lavish from you at some point during the show? So see what you can do. <laughs> 100%. Um, Terry, coming I'm very up, disappointed. Coming up any minute Very now. disappointed in you. Yeah. like Like properly, properly disappointed. Because you seem to not have remembered that 11 years after leaving Law & Order SVU in 2011. Christopher Stabler returns uh, in April of this year.
1: No, not, it's not Chris I got Christopher.
0: It's Elliot Stabler. Not Christopher
1: Stabler? Maloney. Oh, that's
0: Christopher it. I'm Maloney them Even I know that. <laughs> Whatever. Not
1: Elliot Stabler. Elliot Stabler played by Christopher, by Christopher
0: Maloney. Maloney. Christopher Stabler, Elliot Maloney. It's all yeah. the same. Um. But yeah. Thank God you can edit this later, James, and not come across the I revel videos. in my well, ignorance of SVU. I tell you,
1: but I tell you, it's funny we mentioned Rose's first return in Doctor Who because the Rose and Tenth Doctor first sight of each other. Actually, the way that's blocked out is incredibly similar to when Liv and mm. Elliot saw each other for the first time.
0: Interesting stuff. Interesting. Uh, what would I put in here? I mean, I'm. You know what? I'm going It's not a West Wing. Sam Seaborn's return. I rather enjoyed. It can be said in the West Wing. Oh, you didn't. You didn't like when Sam came back. I did. I liked when Sam came back. Um... Also, do you remember in the finale, the season finale of *The Good Wife*, when Will Gardner's ghost just rocks up out of absolutely nowhere, yeah. and you're just like, "What yeah. the <laughs> fuck is going on?" Yeah. Like that was a, that was an odd creative choice, wasn't yeah. it? That was that was bold. If he was choice, bold, yeah. not lavish, certainly bold. And also David Duchovny in *X Files*, because yeah. isn't it like so Mulder, as I recall, disappears at the end of season seven, and then he comes back at the end of season eight when they paid him more money, and then he leaves again, and then doesn't return until the show's revival. So, yeah, you could be the molder, Terry. You could keep yeah, coming back. So. Keep coming back. We'll offer you more money and you'll keep coming back and then leaving again. That's what will happen. Uh, well, that is all, all of our listener questions. Or is it, Boydie? Or is it?
2: We have some surprise listener questions for you, Terry. You haven't had time to prepare these. Let me make that absolutely clear <laughs> because they're all from, I'm calling them famous, special friends of the podcast <laughs> and admirers of you. And here we go. First of all, from Sarah Phelps, a.k.a. Phelpsy, writer of the, among others, The Dublin Murders, the myriad brilliant Agatha Christie adaptations to the BBC, The Casual Vacancy, etc. A legend, an absolute script-writing legend. She asks, Dear Terry, I had a really dumb question, but instead I want to ask this one. What was the TV show that changed everything for you? That made you think, yes, this drama, TV, film, this is going to be my life, and why?
1: But TV specifically, right? Yeah, TV. Hmm. Do you know what? And it's going to be like, I've talked before, usually when talking about the 50p box on the back of the telly, about my love for American teen dramas that like presented to me a different way of life. And I was a big, big Beverly Hills 90210 girl on a Saturday, watched it religiously. And my teen years were really dominated by those those shows. And I still have a massive amount of affection for them. As anybody knows who's heard me talk about Dawson's Creek, 785 million times. Um, and I think all the quality TV stuff, let's be frank, came later. Um, but that kind of like idealized view of American culture, it was so shiny and so like polished and so slick. Um, that was really where I was like, you know, amazing 45 minutes in my life, in an otherwise grim life.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Sophie Petzl, writer of Blood, Blood 2. Um, last kingdom yes! she writes for one of uh, one of uh, james's favorites and the forthcoming hollington drive on the itv which we're very much looking forward to she says i'd like to ask terry if she feels comfortable now she's no longer empire's editor-in-chief naming and shaming her biggest nightmare interview <laughs> <laughs> assuming she won't name and shame awkward dalliances around the details will suffice and fight.
0: she also says who would win in a fight boyd or james
1: Oh, Boyd. I <laughs> thanks. Mean, absolutely. Yeah, thanks. Well, well, As saying, has
0: been evidenced, because he's, he's beaten me up twice on this podcast already, that should be made absolutely
1: clear. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You lack the killer instinct. <laughs> so I think James has the size advantage, but I think mm. James is a softie at heart. And I think Boyd is he's a feral. really great human being until you push him too far and then he's going to fuck you up. Yeah. Like,
0: so he, he's all, he's all smiles tough. until someone mentions King Gary and then you're just...
1: Oh, <laughs> Too soon. Yeah. <laughs> too soon. We'll too to too soon. soon. <laughs> um, but I, um, I suppose my worst interview, um, and I, I can't say who, but there was a <laughs> a director um, who said. Uh, my accent was hor- my accent my northern accent was horrible during the interview um they were they were being incredibly <gasps> oh. difficult and um clearly didn't want me to interview them and then they just said oh your accent is horrible down the phone which which wasn't the <gasps> finest moment i was actually on mat leave as well doing that interview <laughs> um so that was a good use of time away from my baby yeah and then there was a, there is a story about a um, meeting I went to in Los Angeles with a filmmaker who hadn't received a overwhelmingly positive review of something he'd made and um, kind of went off in very strong terms about, you know, the girl who'd done this review and I had to uh, put my hand up and I literally put my hand up and said, that was me. And the, the, the next 90 minutes of my life were very awkward indeed.
2: Oh, yeah, I know that story. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Yes. Um, Rufus Jones, creator and star of Home, uh, star of Hunderby, w a Myriad, excellent a TV series, and Stan and Ollie, the film, more loads of the stuff. Um, we know that taste-wise, you and James have had some some stonking ding-dongs, but what shows have you and Boyd had a massive agreement over?
1: Well, well, so we, we disagreed I mean, over breeders initially. Yes. Didn't we?
2: Yeah.
1: And that was a bit, and I was actually away yeah. when you guys reviewed it. And I know you and James had a bit of a test. Boyd set, bullied me. Yes. As they say. And, and I agreed with James. But as you also know, I've just recently done an about face on breeders and massively enjoyed the second series. And obviously, more recently, King Gary um, was a point of some.
2: King Gary, specifically the, the bins, bins out. out. The
1: Binzo. I ate out of a bin. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that was the source of but some tension. Was... But we rarely disagree. Yes, Boyd? because
0: have you noticed the theme here? You disagree no, with Boyd, disagree. Boyd yells at me. That is essentially what happened in both of those cases.
1: Yes, correct. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and Rufus has a second wonderful question. This is an even okay. better question. Um Say you're making a time capsule for your little boy of your time on the podcast. Fuck knows why, <laughs> but you are. I love that bit. That's like Rufus's brilliant comedy writing at work there. Which three shows would you put in to sum up this golden age of television? Oh. in mm. money. Really I haven't had time question. to think about these, by the way. No, listeners, I haven't. I'm like These running are all through, um, absolutely coming at Terry. Yeah. I
1: know. Running through my mind. Um, so, so I may destroy you, which. I spoke about when we did our review of the year and why I think that is such a radical piece of television that I think will, in years to come, stand for something um, and typify something about this age. Not to say that there was tons of television being made like that, but as a seismic piece of television that prompted lots of stuff and will stand for generations to come. The second choice is... Fuck! <laughs> i don't know what else should i put in there see can you guys help me sit not fucking sit. see this is why see. i extend no. the hand of friendship and say can you help me and this is what i get in return that was helpful. okay so you'd have to say like a game of thrones wouldn't you because yeah. you need something that represents this massive all-consuming mm. cultural behemoth
0: fantasy shot. That is yes
1: yes so i will give you james game of thrones thank you game of thrones i may destroy you I don't know. I don't know what my third should be.
0: Mm. Oh, oh, it would be, it would thing. be, it would be, um, um, uh, oh God, the Hayley Squires one about the porn star.
1: Adult material. Yes,
0: that's the one. Oh, It'd be something like die. that, wouldn't it? Because it's one of these shows that you were just like so effusive about the week that it came out and absolutely loved.
1: But that wasn't the question. It's about a time capsule to show this no. age of... Oh, yeah, see, I extend like,
0: the hand of friendship yeah. and try and help. <laughs> and this is the thanks I get.
1: Um, save Me too. That would be my other
0: choice. Oh, good, good. Oh, yeah. That's a very yeah. good yeah, choice. Good answer. Yeah, There you are. You pulled that, you did. Pulled that you out did. of the uh,
2: bag at the last minute. Roshin Connerty of Game Face fame. Um, what TV show have you watched the most? Not your favourite necessarily, just in sheer numbers and why. SBU.
1: I've watched. FBU and Friends yeah. probably t- tied. I'd, there was a time when I watched a minimum of two Friends episodes a day. Um, for some some strange reason. And I would put it on when I went to bed and it would be comforting me when I went to sleep. But I also did the same with SVU for a period. Um, I've seen every episode of SVU, I think, four times. Um, And every, I mean, every episode of Friends, potentially more. They are my big volume play shows where I've just watched them and watched them, watched them and watched them. The thought of discovering, like, There being a secret friends episode that I don't, that I've never seen, or a secret SVU that somehow never aired on British telly, that kind of keeps me going because I get really excited at the thought of that happening. Clearly, it's never going to, but you know, (laughs) we can but hope.
2: Yeah, I totally know. I, I remember watching, I thought I'd watched every single episode of Seinfeld, and there was one arrived suddenly that I'd never seen before years ago. It was so fucking exciting. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. And finally, for this section, the questions, the special questions for Terry section. Russell T. Davis, Mm. the man, the legend, asks, says, Terry and I have talked before about our love of buying magazines, not subscriptions, but actually going into the shop like the borders of old and browsing through magazines you've never heard of before. So, all right, what's the one magazine we're missing right now? What would you invent for publication tomorrow?
1: Well, well, I mean, uh, I don't want to, like, piss on James's, you know, life and career but I think um that I've always kind of dreamed of launching a true pop culture magazine so I suppose what EW potentially used to be something that embraces all pop culture because James some people like music and film and books and telly um uh something that kind of brings all of those things jack of all trades master of none oh Oh, my God, you're the worst. <laughs> oh, God. So that, I've, that's what I've always kind of imagined, launching that magazine and being able to put telly on the cover one minute and film on the next and music on the next, kind of like Ro- Rolling Stone when it was really brilliant, probably not the politics mm. era. But inside, you know, to be able to do in-depth reporting and all of that, yeah, proper pop-, pop culture magazine, zeitgeisting, modern, relevant, exciting. Um, that's what i do.
2: Okay. There we go. Fantastic.
0: Well, that is the end of our listener questions. Shall we go into what is always each week the most shambolic section of this podcast, but most people don't get to hear how shambolic it is when we record it, which is the news section where we all try and scrabble around to work out what's happening in the world of TV. Um I'll start off with this because there was one exciting thing. Now, I, I got quite thrilled last week and they talked about the casting of Lestat, uh, which is going to be played by Sam Reed in the interview with the Vampire TV series. Well, they have cast Louis de Pointe du Lac, uh, and Louis is going to be played by Jacob Anderson, who is.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I was being hello, French. Hello.
0: I was trying to be authentically French. Clearly, that's not <laughs> going to work. Louis de Pointe du Lac uh, <laughs> is going to be played by Jacob Anderson, aka Grey Worm from Game of Thrones, which is a great bet casting. Very psyched about that series, as I can see oh, yeah, both of you he's are. Very no, he's very good. Yeah, he's very good.
1: This is a true representation of news, James. Yeah. And you just and sit in, sit in silence and pretend to
0: care or not. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I've got some news which I think Boyd's going to be upset about, <laughs> oh, which is Betty. Yeah. Oh, yes, I, saw that.
2: I am. I saw that. I am upset. Yeah.
1: Why? It's
2: a mystifying. I mean, it can't it must HBO, be. It's HBO, right? Yeah,
1: which, HBO. Which yeah. means you wouldn't exactly have to bring in mega. Ratings, I presume. No,
2: it's weird. It is weird, yeah. Um, And it doesn't feel like it, it, it must be one of their cheapest shows. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's all filmed fairly kind of rough and ready, brilliantly, mm-hmm. but within the confines of, you know, of, of a fairly gritty style. And it's not exactly all lavish, you know, <laughs> CGI or anything like that. So it's, I have to say, it's mystifying. And the second series was a was fantastic kind of step mm-hmm. up from the first series. I feel maybe, I don't know, like HBO is. With the pressures of HBO Max, all of these services are like, you know, just being leaner and ploughing more money into bigger. Everyone wants big, epic scope. Um, mm. That's my only explanation for it, because it's a small show. It was a lovely small nugget, a brilliant,
0: beautiful gem. But yeah, I, it, I was I was gutted about that. Were you also gutted, Terry, to hear that? Obviously, it was last week, actually, that uh, Anthony and Joe Russo pulled out of Netflix's Magic the Gathering series. I mean, as an avid Magic player, I'm sure you are very down for that. But we had a little bit more news this week. So Brandon Routh, Brandon Routh is going to be playing Gideon the Planeswalker in that series uh, when it comes up. So uh, so how do you feel about that?
1: I'm most excited about the return of the voice. <laughs> Gideon the Planeswalker. <laughs> well, just, just wait like until like someone that. casts
0: Nicole Bolas and then I'll get properly excited. <laughs>
1: Did we see the morning show trailer? Yes, we did. Yes,
0: Yes. we did.
1: Look, there's a lot going on. I felt like there was Mm a lot of little plot threads, um, more than I expected for that first trailer.
2: Covid, they're going to deal with Covid a lot, and I saw, Mm. I saw quite a few people going, "Oh God," you know, because Mm. a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people have that initial reaction to any drama or whatever acknowledging Covid or taking use as a subject. It's like, oh, they don't want to, you know, it's bad enough having to live with it still to some extent. Let alone we don't want to see TV. But it's, I have to say, it's bold. <laughs> it's bold mm. to, to
0: deal with it. But maybe it's the only way to do it to make it feel real. I don't know. Mm.
2: But I still look brilliant. i was still in credit. Can't wait to see it.
0: You're not wrong, though. It does feel like there's a lot going on. There's there's a lot to kind of get your head around. I had to watch the trailer a couple of times to work out what was going on. But uh, very excited. That's going to be back. I was playing next month, this month, whenever this goes out. Is it still August when this goes out? I can't even remember. But anyway, it's out in September, so it is not that far away, which is good. Um, what else has been happening? Motherland Fort Salem, which I believe has just finished its second series in the US. It comes to the UK, I think, boy, you were saying in September, didn't you? Uh, you said we think it's coming in September so actually we will get to see that very soon over here but it has been renewed for a third and final season so Shouty Witches will continue for a third year and I'm pretty pleased about that
1: more male gays more male gays
0: you liked (laughs) the Shouty Witches show Terry
1: I did yeah I know I know yeah it's terrible
0: there's a Yellowstone prequel in the works 1883 uh, which is going to tell the origin story of the Dutton family and how they came to own the largest ranch in Montana. So that's pretty exciting. I tried Yellowstone and couldn't get into it. So sorry.
2: I mean, consider I was going to say, considering we've totally ignored it on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we have. Kind of yes. Exciting news, isn't uh, it? Yeah. Sorry.
0: <laughs> sorry, I'm not. Uh, I'm not there. Did you see? Um, Your Honor's been renewed for second season. The prime?: Yes, Clinton that show. now. Mm. That. That's interesting, it is.
2: because that was de- obviously supposed to be a limited series. A limited series.
0: series, yeah,
2: 100%. And it, I, I, I remember saying at the time, it's definitely going to return, because it was
0: a huge hit. Um, so
2: let me take the credit for predicting that, boldly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, what else have we got news-wise? Okay, so you remember when we did our little Queeby challenge? Do you remember that? Uh, where we all watched a Queeby show and Boydie watched the one with Rachel Brosnahan's mm-hmm. golden arm the one that I watched was Most Dangerous Game which was the, uh, the uh, Christoph Waltz one with Liam Hemsworth where he's like it's a bit like um, a hard target you know that Van Damme film where he's like being hunted for money mm-hmm. so you know how all the Queeby stuff is now Roku stuff and they're like pissing them all as Roku originals well Roku have renewed most dangerous game they picked it up for a second season so it is now an actual Roku original you're going to get another dose of most dangerous game except liam hemsworth isn't going to be in it but christoph waltz will be returning uh presumably hunting someone else no news yet on whether rachel brosnahan or her golden arm will return we'll have to wait and see uh
1: on september the 10th the um entire channel 4 schedule including ad breaks which i think is fascinating will feature black talent both on and off screen. I think it's called Black to the Front, um, which I think they, did they initially announce it last year? Yeah, in, they did, yeah. Like yeah. last August. Um, but I think they consulted with the Sir Lenny Henry Centre for Media Diversity. Um, but I think the exciting thing is it's going to be more than this one day. So they've committed to new programming from black talent and this really being the start of that. But I think it's a really bold
2: Yep. Yeah. Bold and... Bold.
1: Bold is very bold. Bold, bold and bold, lavish. Bold. I think it's, um, I think it's um, a, a really amazing thing for them to do, especially in terms of a longer commitment to really working with new people on new shows and it extending beyond just that one day.
2: Yeah, I think that was part of announcements. But it's been the Edinburgh TV Festival this week. Um yes. And lo- loads of announcements have been made, including that one, I think. And um, I was going to mention a few of the more, more exciting ones. The cast for the show, um, if we did that question, what show you're most looking forward to, I think probably next year, um, is Steve Coogan and Sarah Soleimani's comedy, Chivalry. This is Steve Coogan, the legend, and Sarah Soleimani, who's a brilliant he was in, she was in Him and Her with Russell Tovey. She's a brilliant writer as well. And they have co written this show, which is going to look at the Me Too era and take head on tackle all the issues about consent and exploitation and men and women. And the cast is phenomenal. Apart from, so Wanda Sykes is going to be in it from um, uh, loads of brilliant shows Blackish, Kirby Enthusiasm, etc. She's going to play a studio ex- executive. Um, Sarah Soleimani is playing um, a kind of indie filmmaker who's trying to get a film made. Steve Coogan is going to be the producer. Sienna Miller is going to be in it, playing the lead actress mm. of the film. Lolly Fopi oh, wow. is going to be in it, playing the assistant um, to the to the to the producer. And uh, yeah, I cannot wait for that. Absolutely, very exciting indeed. And the big theme. I wanted to say this: the big theme of the Edinburgh TV Festival. Of, with the you know, when um, in past years, you know, you've had people presenting it, talk, doing the uh, McTaggart, which is the big showcase speech, mm. if you like. Um, and this kind of sets the tone for the whole festival, which is, by the end of the TV festival, in case people don't know, is a kind of industry event. It's like a park kind of um, uh, chance for up and coming people to to kind of find out more about the industry and get involved in the TV industry. And it's like a talking shop. There's like topical events where we talk about things. It's like today they did a thing about Woke, which got people annoyed. what well, is, is TV too woke? People got irritated about that just to, existing and there's also deal with big things and try and change things um michaela cole's famous famous edinburgh speech was all about what happened to her in real life that sexual assault that she then used as part of the inspiration for i may destroy you and i think her talking about that so boldly and boldly and bluntly and honestly did change things i think to some extent in the industry the industry the way the industry thought about that and this year jack thorne the writer of myriad Myriad shows. Adapts stuff for the screen, you know, and writes his own material. And he's one of the one of the most prolific and brilliant TV writers out there. He delivered the attack, and it was all about disability and how still disability is comparably invisible in front of the camera, behind the camera. And it was an incredible. I watched it; it was extremely passionate, um, part angry but eloquent speech. Because all the other, you know, kind of all the all, all the other, um, you know, in terms of race, ethnicity, religion, gender. Those things are are being dealt with to some extent, but disability, I think he's absolutely right, is the one area that still is not dealt with at all, and it's still dis- disabled actors, disabled talent, still incredibly invisible. And but that this has inspired, I think. Netflix and the BBC announced that they are they are starting a directive together, a joint directive, to go out there into the people, among the disabled community, and disabled talent, and literally kind of talk to them and give them ways of getting into the industry and commissioning, actually commissioning what they come up with. So I think he has changed; he's genuinely changed by delivering this incredible speech. He's changed the TV industry already within a matter of like a couple of days to some extent. So I do think like there is something very
0: inspirational about that. Sorry, James, for being a bit serious for a minute. That is quite all right. That's quite all right. Is that it for news? Do we think we're done there? Yeah.
1: Downton Abbey 2. Oh, Downton <laughs> Abbey 2. Yes, Which is Downton Abbey
0: 2. Always exciting.
1: I know, but it started as a TV it show, is. so I'm yeah, getting it, it. Oh, the Oh, God, road. yeah. And the, the only big news, really, is that there's a title, and it's Downton, colon, A New Era. Yes. That
0: is a good title. I'm, I'm pretty excited. So, you watched all of Downton, didn't you, Terry? I remember this. You did.
1: You, you also gave me Downton. Oh, I yeah. did.
0: Oh, you owe me so much. Well, that's it for news, I guess. Should we move on to reviews? Should we do reviews? Let's do the reviews. Yeah, uh, first up reviews. in reviews, we have Stephen, which is a direct sequel to Paul Greengrass's 1999 drama, The Murder of Stephen Lawrence, and stars Steve Coogan as DCI Clive Driscoll, picking up 13 years after Stephen's murder. So tell us about this one, Boydie.
2: Well... This is a Um, three-parter. It's going out weekly. It starts on Monday night at 9 o'clock. And it's a very interesting project because, as you say, it's partly a sequel to that original um, drama, The Murder of Stephen Lawrence. Um, And it really is all about the the kind of crux of it is that um, the the investigation into the racially motivated murder of Stephen Lawrence was, if you like, not, not reopened or at least revived um, by this uh, policeman who was kind of sifting through the evidence. By this time, it had become a cold case, effectively. DCI Clive just got played by Steve Coogan. And he took it upon himself to kind of gather a team around him that, that could investigate years after the event to look at, you know, um, if there's any scientific uh, methods they could use, DNA, et cetera, to gather more evidence about the people who murdered Stephen Lawrence. So it's kind of partly a true crime kind of a show because you are following this, this detective and his team tracking down clues, trying to get um, uh, possible uh, witnesses to, you know, to kind of be brave, and brave enough to kind of say what they saw at the time. But it's also an incredibly moving reminder of what um, Stephen Lawrence's family, Doreen, played by Charlene White, his mum, Neville, played by Hugh Corsley, who also played reprising the role from that original film, his brother, his best friend, all these people who, who who you know who knew him. It's a reminder of the almost mind-blowingly tragic events surrounding. How horrendous this crime was, and what a kind of you know putting to the end to the life of an incredibly promising, bright, lovable, by all accounts, young man. And I've seen the whole thing, so I've seen all three episodes, and it is absolutely you know it's one of the most. Powerful things I've seen this year. It completely honors the memory of Stephen Lawrence himself. It's a, it does an incredible kind of balancing act of honoring honoring um, Stephen Lawrence, as I say, and yet at the same time being a bit of a really a riveting true crime story as well. And following the detective, following Driscoll, is fascinating in itself. So it kind of balances all these things, and then you've got the courtroom drama element of it coming up in the in the kind of final episode. It's really, really and we talked about a true crime series a few weeks ago, which I don't want to go on about again. But for me, this is a very sober telling of this story, but never boring, never never kind of laboured, never straightforward. It's kind of just, it, it gets the tone of it so right in terms of the direction and the script writing and the performances. And Steve Coogan, like, so Steve Coogan as this guy, you know, I, I, it, you have to, whenever Steve Coogan does a big serious role, I get, because I love Alan Partridge so much. Mm. I have to admit, yeah, you know, I'm like, it takes you a while to kind of like get rid of the, the, the idea of him as Alan Partridge and all the brilliant comedy he does. But he, I have to say, I loved him in this. He he just brought a real soulfulness to this character, this 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 policeman, and to see how Driscoll, his character, slowly won the trust of the Lawrences uh, is be kind of beautifully handled. So I thought it was absolutely um, uh, fantastic, and and it, and it's one of those shows you feel like is a real. It's almost feels like part of the whole Stephen Lawrence story that there are these TV productions about him and about what happened to him, almost part of the whole... You know, I think this is such an important, such a well-done series that it becomes part of the kind of reflection, part of the testimony
0: to Stephen Lawrence himself, I think. Mm, It's interesting you say that about Steve Coogan, because you're absolutely right, because he's so synonymous with Alan Partridge that putting him in his serious role, especially one like this, which has real weight to it, there's a part of you that instantly has to do a little bit of mental gymnastics to kind of get your head around it. But actually, like, he absolutely nails it. Like, obviously, he has a sort of, like, you know, slightly gruff man-of-the-people accent that he puts on. But again, like, you sink into that. He's completely believable, I think, from the Um, get-go. He's a really, really, really good actor. There's a scene in this, Terry, which I'm sure you're going to talk about, Uh, which I think more than anything else, I've only seen the first episode, I should say, I haven't seen them all yet, but I absolutely will do. Uh, There's a scene where there is a police reenactment of the crime, Mm, where they want to Mm. show the investigating team kind of what actually happened, and also to dismiss the idea that this was a brief assault, because it clearly was a sustained, brutal assault. Mm. And so one white police officer mimes the attack against a black police officer. And the way it is shot, and the way it is played back, almost silently, and it's just reaction shots, is so difficult to watch. It is brutal. And I genuinely thought that that particular moment of this first episode is an absolute masterstroke. Absolute genius. Uh, really did it. Really powerful.
2: Can yeah, I just say, you- sorry, I forgot, I forgot to mention that the the, the the people who make it. So it's directed by Alrick Riley and it's written by Frank Cottrell-Boyce and um, Joe Cottrell-Boyce together. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to mention that because they are they're what, reflecting what a job they've done.
1: I, I think there's interesting narrative and filmmaking choices all over the shop in this And it isn't, what I'd say to people, it maybe isn't what you expect because especially if you saw the first film which dealt basically from the murder and including the murder to the collapse of the private prosecution and then this one picks up 13 years after the murder and six years after the inquiry and so... Where you may expect action or reconstruction of the crime, you don't get any of that at all. Sober, I think Boyd used a really interesting word there because the way they told the story, there's exposition told via footage on a TV screen that people are watching. There's the police walking through and retreading Stephen's steps and that's how they recreate the murder, not using actors and flashbacks and any of that. And at first, it takes you a bit of getting used to because we're used to kind of, um, not it's not even narrative tricks, but things that pull you in and grab you. But this is so understated. And the point about Steve Coogan is entirely the right point because mm. we're used to him being a bit of a dick, right? On telly, that's the thing, he's Steve Coogan. I'm not saying in real life, I'm sure he's a very nice man, but on telly, he's a bit of a dick. And this guy is fundamentally a really good decent solid guy and it takes you a bit of a while and it's not just him it's also the dialogue he uses um the delivery the accent you mentioned he uses phrases like the brass about the bosses mm-hmm. it talks about good old-fashioned coppery it's it, you know somebody goes calls him governor at one point like it's in it feels like almost like parody but then as you go along, and I actually looked up the detective who um, Coogan is playing, and it's kind of mm. uncanny and it actually is super authentic. And once you push through this weird almost point of resistance, you really root for him. By the end of the... There's a really moving kind of end of the episode, and I won't say what it is because, it's, to be honest, it's really subtle. It's not You are not going to get a big dramatic moment in this. The entire episode builds essentially to one kind of important piece. But there's no big set piece. There's no big moment of drama. It takes its good time. And the thing you get at the end, which is actually super emotional, and you totally root for this guy. And part of the reason you do is what it also does really cleverly from a narrative perspective is you have the three points of views. So you have his... But it isn't done at the expense of Stephen's parents. So you have both of them, Dorian and Neville, given their own point of view. And you've got three protagonists, essentially, which means you're invested in everybody. You kind of believe in everybody. But the nuances of how they interplay, of obviously why she wouldn't trust the police because of how atrociously they'd been betrayed and let down previously... And so it's kind of, it's it's such a simple thing just to show it from those three perspectives, but it, it totally works. And for so the first bit of this, I was just thinking, is it a bit too slow? I just don't know if I'm really like buying Coogan. By the end of the 45 minutes or whatever it was, I was entirely, entirely on board. I think it's not rushed. It's not, and we talk about this a lot on this podcast about, Sometimes I need these days for things to be showy and bombastic and all of this. This is not that, but it is subtle. It is nuanced. It is sober, um, and it is entirely, entirely worth your time.
2: There's a brilliant bit I wanted to mention, where in the first episode, where you hear on the news, <laughs> yes, I was going to say that Johnson said about ra- oh ra- racist issues, right? And I was so fascinated by this because they did a Q and a um, the writers and Steve Coogan and the other people involved, you et cetera, And I was so fascinated by that they included this Boris Johnson verbatim quote. And in the second episode, there's a bit where Ken Livingston is heard on the radio saying Boris Johnson could never become prime minister or leader of the Conservatives because he's too controversial like me. And so that they're in there to reflect on the societal, you know, society as a whole and the, and the kind of, you know, Racism of of the whole of the whole system, and and I thought that was so good, excellent of them. And kudos to ITV. So I was I thought did ITV push back, you know, on on the scriptwriters. For using that bit with Boris Johnson, and they and they said no, they absolutely did not. Was, she was absolutely fine with it, and I, I don't think the BBC would have let mm. them do that. I mean, I'm not, I have no idea. This is totally my own personal opinion, but I think it would have been interesting for the BBC to allow that. You know, even though there were you know there are real things that Boris Johnson said, yeah. of course they're not made up, but it's just it makes a very pertinent
0: point about the whole situation, um, and I thought that was brilliant. It's also worth mentioning that although this is a very sort of sober, somber show, it does feature Steve Coogan playing Cockney Piano in A stalker. So there is levity in there. Yeah. Uh, I'd also like to give a shout out while doing this to Charlene White, who plays Doreen Lawrence, because she's absolutely formidable in this. Uh, it's a really, really good show. Highly recommend it. Uh, Stephen airs on Monday, August the 30th at 9pm on ITV. And next up this week, we have Back to Life Series 2. So, this is the dark comedy from Laura Solon and Daisy Haggard, which stars Haggard as Miri Mattison, a woman still trying to adjust to life in the real world after serving an 18 year prison term. Terry, what did you make of this?
1: So, this is one of those shows that I'm trying to remember if I got wrong the first time because I didn't, I, I, I definitely didn't dislike it, but I, I think it may be one where I wasn't as effusive I'm thinking Mm. about like this way up and I had the same thing there where I was like oh yeah it's good but I wasn't as sold as like a feel-good or a motherland and I watched the first two episodes of this and I was like fuck (laughs) I'm massively fucked up (laughs) and then I went back and watched loads of the first season because I think I only watched the first few for this podcast initially I mean, this is this is incredible for lots of reasons, but as you say, the you know, the first season really focused on this central idea, which is the amazing Daisy Haggard as Miri. What happens if you went to prison as a teenager? You go down for 18 years, and what happens when you come out and you go back to the same small town you grew up in? Can you be forgiven? How are you ever forgiven? And The first season really focused. Well, it seemed this is the trick, it seemed to focus on what actually happened that night. But actually, that wasn't really what it was about. Like, what it does brilliantly, the show, and this continues in season two, is it really looks at the effect of grief and trauma and pain. And what happens to the wider community, you know, it, it's like they say, it's like a pebble on the lake, isn't it? And the ripple effect of when something this atrocious kind of happens. Everybody will probably remember that everybody said, oh, it's like Fleabag um, in the first season because it's got a woman in it and <laughs> it's dark and funny. It does have Fleabag producers, Harry and Jack Williams. Um, but fuck me, this is so much darker than Fleabag. I was like, did I remember this was this <laughs> dark because it really 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 is now at the end of the first season I won't spoil this in case you didn't watch the first season and you want to go back and watch it we found out something about the crime that really kind of substantially changed things and Miri found out some things about her personal life and it kind of opens brilliantly if you remember the first season first episode opened with her like cutting her fringe (laughs) yeah and you know, there's been a lot of brilliant telly in recent years of how women in trauma through their hair and represent trauma through their hair, which is also where I think the flea bag. Um it's it's not just hair, Anthony. Like that hair is everything. That hair is everything. But that kind of maybe didn't help. But this one brilliantly opens and she's discovered her crimpers, which if any woman grew up in the eighties You know you don't do all of your hair and all of your fringe. You just do the ends. She's done root to tip (laughs) crimping, including the fringe. Um, It's a brilliant opening, and it kind of, as I say, I watched the first two episodes, and it just kind of gets better from there. What I love about this is, is, you know, it's firmly her story, but it shows the impact on her family of those cramps. I mean, Richard Durden and Geraldine James are absolutely... (laughs) fucking spectacular in this. I mean, that relationship is just fucked up and deranged and weird and and toxic and all of these things. Um, But you do have a couple of new characters in season two, most notably. So there's Mira Sayal, who um, I hadn't seen um, by the time I did this podcast, but Adrian Edmondson as um, the victim's father is full scale terrifying horror show Adrian Edmondson like you've never seen him? Absolutely terrifying, right? Yeah, absolutely terrifying. Yeah. He's amazing in this and clearly is going to play um, a massive part of going forward. So I just love this. I mean, it's but even though it's all these dark things and there are like proper dark shit hang- hanging over this, not just the crime she committed, but all the stuff still going on in her life this sense of foreboding about what might happen to her next. Joe Martin, who plays her probation officer, it's, I mean, she alone, mm. the writing of her character, her lines are amazing. And this, what this does so brilliantly is the tonal shifts we always talk about between one minute being poignant and heartbreaking and devastating, and the next minute being properly laugh out loud funny. And I think to do that in episodes of these lengths is no mean feat, while still covering enough narrative ground to be telling a proper story episode by episode. I love this. As I say, it made me go back and watch a ton of season one. So if you didn't, for whatever reason, do episode one. Please go back and give it a go. I am obsessed with this now and want to stop talking to you two so that I can <laughs> go home and watch it. And just, you know, the beautifully observed friendship with Billy, played by Adil Akhtar, like that whole thing, which I really don't want to become a romance because their friendship is so gorgeous and <laughs> sweet and, you know, that's what she needs in her life. Yeah, I I just think this is brilliant. And you've got to think about where this idea came from, which is her fascination, Daisy's fascination with the thought of how women are treated differently. Women who've been seen to do something bad are treated with such a kind of harsher approach than, than men. And, you know, you marry that with just how hard it is to rebuild your life in, in your 30s. I think it's such a genius idea. And Daisy Haggard is just, I mean, the woman is a master, absolute master. And part of the reason I loved Breeders in the end was all down to her performance. I think she's a genius.
2: Oh, 100%. She is um, She is a genius. I think, you know what it struck me watching this? Because I watched it um, a couple of weeks ago, the first two episodes as well. Um and then I watched them again uh, last night to remind myself. And the it, visually, it is stunning. I think it's the most beautifully made comedy, and it is a comedy because, you know, as, as Terry was saying, it's got it, it's, it's darker. It's it's darker mm. than Fleabag, etc., etc. But it's always it's definitely trying to be funny all the way through pretty much so it, it, and it come, you know it's definitely supposed to be comedy as well I've just for anyone's, and you know it's part of the whole there are lots of dramatic stuff in there there's lots of tragic stuff in there there's lots of serious in quote stuff in it but essentially it's from a comedic mind and that is the skill of her and her co-writer Laura Solon. but it's beautifully filmed they've got these incredible they use these seaside locations and just every scene is just brilliantly directed. So series one was directed by Chris Sweeney, series two was directed by Ella Jones. Um, and just the direction, the, um, you know, it's shot in widescreen. I just think the amount of, you know, the amount of time, Time and effort that's put into that element of it is extraordinary. On top of it, the writing, the acting, as you say, the relate, the interrelationships. I think the relationship with Christine Bottomley, plays the best mate Mandy. That relationship is just funny and real, and they're just trying. In that first episode, they're trying to, you know, she vows. Miriam um, vows never to speak to her best friend ever again, and like how they negotiate that is really funny and real, and how the husband, her husband, comes in—all hmm. of that, just scene for scene. But you've got Joe Martin is my favorite. Joe yep. Martin, of Doctor Who, mysterious Janice. new Doctor fame. right? Who I feel, yeah, and who I feel Joe Martin should be the new Doctor, she's the so good. She's absolute New Doctor. That's my feeling. I'd be delighted if she was. She is so funny in this as her kind, as a, yeah, I mean, as an officer, you know, as a, just being just. just Brilliantly written character, brilliantly conceived character, so funny, just perfect kind. And because her delivery, her line delivery is a bit weird and a bit kind of askew, and um, her timing is incredible. Is uh, my favorite word, incredible. So it is fantastic. Yes, and as you say, the Adrian Edmondson thing. Of course, he was in Save Me too. Indeed, yeah. Is that yes? As the as the is that's what he reminded basically. me of.
1: I was like, yeah, yeah. it that yeah. hit the kind of um, just that horror, that menace he gave.
2: Yeah, like that yeah. was
1: all there in this. It was he's yeah. fucking terrifying.
2: And, and how they and what happens with him and his ex-wife, their the parents of the woman that, if you like, the um, Daisy's character killed. But that is horrific. Is a horrific little kind of subplot, if you like, that is going to runs all the way through. But as you say, he what a brilliant addition to the cast he is. And I've seen a bit of the, and the Mirror Slayer again. Is, is 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 also a fascinating character. Um, she plays the friend Adil Actos character's mother um and uh, she arrives later on in the series so i mean if anything i love
0: absolutely i absolutely love series one but this is again it's a step up extraordinary step up so i hadn't seen this you covered series one of this when i was off so i didn't see it Ah. um so before so i I watched the first episode of series one because i felt i kind of needed to understand what was going on and yes i was like oh i'm now really upset that i didn't see this when you first did it because again this is another one of these shows where it's not necessarily my thing that i wouldn't necessarily go for but it is really good i think one of the reasons i like this is not just because it's super dark and utterly demented uh and in a way that kind of shouldn't work but does but it's really joyously caustic and I find swearing quite entertaining, as I'm sure you've gathered. But like, for example, like Richard Durden's deployment of just the word twat is just inherently very, very funny. There's the best sort of kiss-off deployment of the C-bomb, I think, in this. It's just a glorious moment. Um, I love it. It's got a real cutting edge to it, but it's also sort of absurd and really funny. And it takes you through the whole spectrum of emotions. Like, it's heartbreakingly sad. It's genuinely funny. I think the line delivery is Absolutely spot on, and as you said, like my favourite thing in it is Joe Martin's sort of like disinterested, slightly weird parole officer. Just again adds this weird, absurdist thread all the way through it, and is an absolute joy to watch. Um, yeah, I thought this was, was beautifully written, uh, and just just with lovely, lovely characters with lots and lots of layers. Geraldine James is really, really good in this as well as her mum. Oh, um, Geraldine
2: James, legend. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean, who doesn't legend. love a poodle perm? So. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is something I want to watch more of.
2: Yeah. What's only we to watching again is that the Joe Martin's character, because at one point, um, she says to to Miri. Um, you need a therapist, and of course, she really is a therapist. In mm. in the, in the yeah. even mm-hmm. in the bizarre way she deals mm-hmm. with her, but the blunt honesty of her, and it's interesting. There's a moment where she calls her up. where Ramirez has to call her up to tell her what's latest what is And She's clearly has become her de facto therapist, and I think that's so clever. It's such a brilliant um, little bit of storytelling, a little bit of characterization. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah.
1: I read a US review that called called it broad, and I was like. You really what? don't understand British humour if what? you think this. <laughs>
0: yeah, that is not broad.
1: Wow. Weird as fuck, thing is broad comedy in Britain. Where, what do you think we do all day? How do you think we live our I lives? Guess
2: you know why, though? You know why, though, to some extent? Because there are, there's like sexual, there's a lot of kind of sex stuff going mm. on. You know, like with Geraldine James's yeah. character for something, but I bet like people, it is quite you know shocking because it's so because we so rarely see older people people of that age there's sexual beings and that's one of the another one of the things she, and I, I think that american review is probably shocked by that thought that was too much to think
0: <laughs> well uh with that one caveat uh back to life drops on tuesday august the 31st on and it's bbc 3 is it boyd
2: it's bbc 3 for the box set drops in the morning and it's on bbc 1 at ten thirty five that night at going out weekly
0: weekly
1: with this 1035 like we've had, the, oh, have we had this on before where it was bbc3 and then some random late night yep. slot yep. for something that's yep. brilliant
2: they, they do it a lot they do it with fleabag they yes. did it with fleabag famously you know, you know yeah there's a model there but of course bbc3 will soon be back as a linear channel yep. so we won't have to worry about that
0: well finally this week we have only murders in the building which stars comedy giants martin short steve martin and Selena Gomez as a trio of neighbours sort of united by both their love of true crime podcasts and their suspicions over a body that drops in their apartment building. Isn't that right, Boyd?
2: Yes. (laughs) This is... (laughs) Right, so... We, I, my one of my rules about about when we kind of review stuff on the podcast is I don't like it when we talk when we tell each other what we think of a show before we come to drink all the things. I like to, for me, that's a spoiler. I like to know, and I like to imagine in advance. So I was imagining in advance that Terry would find this not very good, right? So we'll we'll, we'll find out soon. But for me, let me say. So this is from this is created by Steve Martin with Dan Fogelman and John Huffman. It stars Steve Martin, Martin Short, who are in real life best mates, proper best friends who hang out with each other a lot and talk to each other a lot. And they've been in loads of, the f- obviously, films together, Three Amigos. They did a whole special, they did a tour together.
1: Father with the Bride! With-
2: Father of the Bride, of course. Father the exactly. Bride 2! Father the Bride 2, absolutely, 100%. Hysterically funny, both of them. Um, and so they're both playing kind of like little bit of—I mean, Steve Martin plays a kind of ec, a has a kind of husband um, from a, who's actor who was in a cop show, who was in a cheesy cop show. Martin Short says a bit of a husband, theatre kind of uh, director, etc. Who's trying to get shows made and stuff. Celia Gomez is their neighbor, and it's implausible. They all meet by chance even though they not really know each other when there's someone dies in their building in Manhattan. They're lavish, mm. they're lavish building in Manhattan, and it is fucking lavish. Um, in the Upper West Side and they're brought together... By their shared interest in this in this death that happens, this murder. Effectively, they weren't supposed to be suicide, but they both they all think it's murder. And by their obsession with true crime podcasts, so it kind of it's like partly a kind of Manhattan murder mystery. Yes, I'm referring to an old Woody Allen film, which was a which was with him and Diane Keaton investigating a murder. It has a similar that has a similar feel to it, which I love, by the way, still do. And a kind of podcast, a kind of almost quasi satirical thing about how everyone's obsessed with true crime podcasts So what would it be like to make your own true crime podcast based on a murder in your own building. So it's got all of these elements to it, and I'm going to say it now. Steve Martin and Martin Short are two of my favourite people in the world. I will happily watch anything and everything with them in it, and listen to every single... I mean, Martin Short, as a guest on chat shows and podcasts. If you want some of the purest joy known to humanity, just Google Martin Short and his appearances on American chat shows. He's been on various podcasts, guests on various podcasts. He is one of the great storytellers, raconteurs of all time. He's so funny. He's in... Um, his Comedians get with cards, Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. It's my favourite episode of that. That's on Netflix. So I love anything. I love Steve Martin. Everything he's ever done, pretty much. Apart from his really terrible <laughs> films like the Pink Panther ones. And, I'm, and I quite like seeing the gamers as well. So I am so on board with this conceptually that it would have had to have been terrible for me not to have liked it. And I don't think it is terrible. I think it's sometimes clunky. Tonally, it's a bit weird. In the first episode, I've watched four episodes. In the first episode, there's weird, like, magical mm. realist moments of, like, kind of almost flights of fantasy, um, which then don't, which kind of then are kind of dropped, really, because there isn't much more of them in the second, third, and fourth episodes that I've seen. Um, but I. I fucking enjoyed it and I'm absolutely and I know I bet James and Terry have issues with it I really enjoyed it I love that Steve Martin and Martin Short bouncing off each other I just love seeing Steve Martin he doesn't do that much these days he hasn't done I I can't remember the last time he did a film for example and certainly he hasn't written anything I think for either TV or film for years and years and years there are, there are clunky jokes there are like dad jokes there are um, there are clunky exposition but there are also some really funny lines some lovely I, I thought the stupid stuff about the podcast at one point the cop when they are all talking to this detective and she's oh what <laughs> fucking podcast are you listening to and mm. it's sweary I like the fact that it's not hasn't been kind of turned into something like kind of like fluffy, fluffy and family-ish for the star or Disney Plus audience it's like it's full of people saying fucking shit and frankly the C word as well um. so I really enjoyed it I know it's flawed it's kind of bumpy it's slightly messy but I, I fucking love this whole world of you know the Upper West Side these people living their privileged lives and just I love watching those people interacting and I actually thought seeing the game was really great as well so bring it on I can't wait to finish the whole lovely thing Terry
1: I absolutely love oh! this I'm <laughs> stunned. Don't. Oh,
2: you just ruined this.
1: <laughs> in me. Great. I, oh, I I'm fucking so happy. Loved this. So I did. I deliberately didn't read anything about it. And if I'd have read about this, I'd have been like, absolutely fucking <laughs> yes. not. This is like a yeah. Nora Ephron rear window fever dream of a TV show, and I am absolutely here for it. And let me tell you that. Look, Steve Martin and Martin Short, that chemistry, you cannot fake that chemistry. they You can tell that they have the easiest, most gorgeous shorthand with each other. What's remarkable for me is Selena Gomez. She is brilliant. She plays this, like, sardonic millennial, um, and her deadpan delivery is amazing. And she absolutely holds her own. And I think if I was her going to work every day with two, like, I'm sorry, comedy titans of timing, of delivery. Like, she nails it. And I think the three of them kind of weirdly have this amazing chemistry. And I didn't even mind the dad jokes because that was kind of the point is they were like, you know, the kind of embarrassing dad and she's the kind of embarrassing millennial. There's something about the conceit and the setup that for me really works and look, you know, it's because it, the, the key for me is it's not just a parody. This could easily have been just ripping the piss out of people who like tra- true crime, people who like true crime podcasts. And it isn't, it's got this and the, the kind of magical realism Boyd was talking about. I love this like whimsical tone it has to it. And it's brilliantly New York specific. There are so many nailed on New York references, which if you've lived in New York or been to New York a lot, you will absolutely 100% get. And it, what it does, and I've only seen the first episode, is it brilliantly balances like out and out humour and a bit of slapstick even with like actually really poignant stuff. There's a whole thread about solitude in New York. I also lived in New York. I was very lonely in New York. Everyone's aware of my New York days. This nails the danger in solitude and that you can live in this flashy apartment building and you can be a young artist or you can be a washed up theatre director or a guy who used to appear in a cop show called Brazos, which is the best (laughs) fake cop (laughs) show name ever. And you can all suffer from the same affliction. There's a bit with Martin Short's son in the end of the first episode that like absolutely properly got me in the belly. Mm. It really upset me. And his I mean, he's amazing at that, right? And Steve Martin, which is the ability to move from pathos and 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 slapstick humour, especially in the case of Martin Short, to something much more profound and real and emotional. Like it span on a dime like that. And I think in the main, I know what you're saying about bits of it are a little bit clunky. I mean there's a whole bit, bearing in mind what I ranted about last week with Dateline. There's a whole bit where she says, you know, it's a city that makes you binge Dateline so you don't end up on Dateline. As a woman who lived in New York and all the women in New York watch Dateline and are terrified about ending up on Dateline, observations like that are really real, are really precise. And I just thought it was really gorgeous. I really enjoyed being in their company. I found it funny and just I just think they nailed that tone and it is that New Yorker tone, that Nora Ephron, all of that kind of, which, do you know what, that that kind of version of New York, I'm not convinced, really exists anymore, but I am more than happy to spend time in a fictional version of that with those three people specifically.
2: This makes me so happy. If you talk about the history of this podcast, because let's face it, I am the one who's easily pleased. I am generally more easily pleased than either of you. And I, I mean... Not James so much, but I genuinely, you know, look up to Terry's in, in terms of taste, you know, her, her, room, her room. And if so, when I think, I just sometimes assume Terry's not going to like something for various reasons. So I totally assumed you wouldn't like this at all. So I kind of almost holding back a little bit of my love for it because I unconditionally love this show. This is one of my favorite things I've seen in a long, long time. As you say, it's so glorious to see that. It's also got Nathan Lane arrives right in episode two, I think, or three, and you're like, famously, in one of the many interviews I've talked about that uh, Marshall he took. He Told a story once about how him and Nathan Lane were always up for the same roles because they've got quite yeah. similar energy to, to about them. Like a bit of a camp energy almost in a way, often. Um and to see them together, Nathan Lane and fucking together in this show is brilliant. Sting is pops up as himself. I
1: know, I read at one that. point. Sting. Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah, Sting, actual Sting. It's just but yeah, you're right, it's like it's it's magical, is what it is, I think. Yeah, it's, it's magical. genuinely magical. Just, it's, it's, yeah. Love Look it. at James's James. face.
1: James's yeah. face Come on, James. does not say on. magical.
0: It was fine. (laughs) Look, it's not for me. You must know this isn't for me. It started, Steve Martin was doing a voiceover and I was just like, fuck off. And, and
1: can't say fuck off to Steve No, I just,
0: I don't like, again, and it's not just about Steve Martin, who is a comedy giant, but I, I his humour and mine have never been, shall we say, fully compatible. Uh, and so
1: He's going to be
0: gutted. I'm sure he yeah. is very disappointed <laughs> right. watching this live as yeah. he is right now. Um, He's somehow done quite well he for He does, in spite yeah. of that. Despite that. Um, so I didn't like this at all at first um, because I found the performances very mannered and very kooky and a little bit just like nah. and I didn't like the little weird surreal moments like a weird pat- like a like the falling off the staircase and back up again and then a frying pan thing I was like I don't know what you're doing here pick a style however however I will say <laughs> that when the characters come together in the restaurant over their love of the podcast there's something about that moment that won me over a bit. And I was like, okay, this is actually quite lovely. I think the way they interact with each other, the kind of dynamic they have between them is very warm and sort of very lovable. Um,
2: Can I just say, there's a scene, in have you watched episode two yet? No, no just watched, the first you know, one. They're, they're, listen, there's a scene in <laughs> episode two, genuinely, where they're recording the podcast, and Steve Martin insists they do it in a cupboard surrounded by coats for the audio to get the right audio, and he's banging yes. on about it just like you. It's just like you, <laughs> and, and, and 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 it's hilarious. I was like, oh, I've, James has got to watch this
0: because it's so much like I'm insisting they're recording in a fucking cupboard. Yeah. Uh, see, most well, of guys,
1: li- I think we're I think we're the three of them, which makes yeah. me yeah? Selena
0: Gomez. So. Oh, oh God, yes, the listeners don't get to to hear an awful lot of me uh, browbeating you both for your poor acoustics because uh, that normally happens uh, off mic, but you know, yes, that does happen um but but look i mean will i watch any more of this no clearly not but but i you know i i didn't hate it and i love the fact that the the, like they drop enough breadcrumbs so you're kind of intrigued by the central mystery but there are also mysteries within the mystery and that they all have their own individual mysteries so there's a lot of mystery stuff going on and it leaves you very hungry to sort of get that information uh so i think that that part of it is definitely compelling so it sort of leans into the murder mystery aspect of it sure great brilliant um
1: well, not the emotional stuff that did nothing for you. I mean, no. The family stuff. Yeah, I admit it, the bit you started. talked about with
0: him and Martin Short and his son, definitely. That was, that was ooh, almost awkward watching. Like, there was an awful lot going on there. And I thought Short Sean, Sean played that sort of, like, pain, sort of trying to swallow his pride, the awkwardness of it, just, like, the rejection, but the disappointment in himself. There was so much going on in that. And then, obviously, it spins on a dime because he gets a text, Directly after that, which is quite interesting. Um but yeah, it's not a show for me, but it is nevertheless, I think, a quality show. Uh which does air on Star on Disney Plus starting Tuesday, August the thirty first. Uh what else is out this week, boydy
2: Well, there is uh my favorite Spanish show, La Casa de yes, Papel. Money Heist!
1: <laughs> yes, yes that's the last that. season as well, is well. yes. Say it
2: again La Casa de Papel oh. La Casa de Papel. <laughs> okay yeah it's the first half of the final season uh five episodes and then it's coming back in december i don't know why netflix does this they did it with yes. lupin um and they're doing it with this so, there, so there's five and then the final the final tranche of episodes will be in december but very exciting that that's out next friday code 404 which was the sky comedy with stephen graham and it's got yeah. the greatest cast stephen graham danny mays and anna fucking maxwell martin Mm. Um, and I went to the I went to the screening of this last week, and I was a bit, if I'm honest, I don't do a review, I can't even remember. Yeah, we, we did, did yeah, I think we, we did. Like, we it. were all a bit.
1: We did. Yeah. Well, you were warmer on it than we
2: were. Right, I was warmer, but I was still acknowledged the issues. Yeah. I think they've ironed out the issues quite well. Okay. And I so I really enjoyed the the two that they screened And I went to the screen. I mean, they were there, they were all there, and I got to say hello to Anna Max and
0: Martin. So that's
2: slightly kind of you know. <laughs> <laughs> makes it makes it
0: biased here me. we go now so, we get into the heart yeah, yeah.
2: exactly being, is, she, being into, it, is she in and that honest. cottage
0: right now is she downstairs is that is how you know yeah Anna i is downstairs <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: yeah um but she's obviously the greatest per- one of the greatest people performing in, in television today. So that starts, again, that's all on Sky Comedy and now from the 1st of September. And as I mentioned earlier, especially for you, James, Married at First Sight UK, oh, which is... But this is an interesting TV point because Married, First, Mar- Married at First Sight Australia was a different format to the UK. Well, the UK one on Channel 4 it was a bit more like a kind of constructed reality almost documentary style thing where they mm. brought people together and they, and they filmed what happened now they've completely adopted the Australian format because they know it was a massive phenomenon mm. and so the, the what the series starting on Monday on E4 is in the Australian format and will be on five nights a week for about three or four weeks and you'll get to see the interactions of different different and yeah. there's a gay and there's a gay for the first time there are two gay men who are going to be partnered up
1: But has some living, I think that's the key difference, right? So when, because when UK started, it was a genuine, or seemed to be a genuine social experiment. They all lived separately and they didn't meet. And obviously, one of the joys and the horrors of the Australian series is they brought them all together. They lived in the same apartment block. The girls went out together, the boys went out together, and the inter kind of uh, connected. Well, all the girls were awful to each other, all the men were cunts to each other, and before you knew it, you know, there was one big scrap happening. So I pres- I think it's yeah. following that format, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And I'm so glad that, we- that maybe the final thing we discuss is- on terrorist um, time on the Pilot TV podcast is Married at First Sight UK just to annoy James. It's a reality show.
0: I, I look forward to the Empire WhatsApp group kicking back into gear for this. So uh, maybe I can I can experience it vicariously through that. But that is it, I guess. What is our pick of the week, people? Oh, um, uh, Stephen, I think.
1: I'm going to say Back to Life.
2: It's definitely one of those. Do you know what? They're all, this is a brilliant week. I, this is one of my favourite weeks ever, suitably, yeah, because so, really they're all strong. absolutely must see shows, including, including Only Moses in
0: the Building. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah
1: watch them all.
0: Very, watch them all. Yeah, watch them all. Oh, God, that much as it breaks my heart, is it for Terry's final episode? Of the Pilot TV podcast, as well as this ill-conceived live broadcast, Uh, a better man would be above using Terry's departure to solicit a favourable review on Apple Podcasts, but I am not that man. So if you love Terry, go and give us five stars right this minute. Uh, You can now and always find us on social media at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton. And you can shower Terry with all your best wishes on Twitter at Terry underscore White and on Instagram at Terry Before you, Yes, Boydie.
2: Before you finish, I just want to say a lot, many people, including Sarah Phelps, specifically, explicitly said to get your fucking guitar on. <laughs> I hope
0: it's there. No, no, no. Yeah! That's where a is terrible it? idea. Um. No.
1: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, I didn't plan this, by she, the way. Pinhardt, this isn't it. planned,
2: but you have to do it. Sarah I know. I Sarah Phelps, <sighs> one of the greatest talents of our time, asked you to fucking
0: Come play on a guitar. It's there,
1: isn't it? Come on. It, it is funny actually you. when yeah, you were reading
0: out that. Sarah's thing. There was a part of me thinking, please don't mention the car, because I know she's been soliciting this on Twitter, and I was like, don't mention. Well, it, I missed don't that bit it, out because the bit where she
2: said I fuck the bit where she said i'm devastated terry's leaving blah 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 and you have
0: to play something on the guitar it is yeah. it is here. On, it does live next to me here in the study yes,
1: oh.
0: yes. <laughs> all right
1: what are you gonna play james oh
0: christ i mean you act as if i've got like this jukebox of songs and i can just bust one out because like yeah. i can play songs. the the game of thrones <laughs> theme oh, <God>. um. <laughs> okay i'm gonna do this this is going to go horribly horribly wrong I would just like to preface that, so please bear with me. Okay, I'm going to move the guitar, the, the, the microphone, down thing, so you can hear it.
1: Tell us what it is before you start. Well, no, because
0: that'd be ruining it. Um, um, I will say it is. Oh. It is dedicated to the show I am most excited about. So that that's what I'm going to say. It's
1: my fucking last show, and you dedicate it to a bloody TV series. Thanks, pal. All right, crack on. Amazing.
0: Amazing. Is it C? Yes. C it's two. a theme tune to C, which I've learned specially for this podcast. Oh, shit. Wow. All right, all right. Oh, f- I hate you for this. All right, you ready? You ready? to have a drink. Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> Does anybody
1: recognise it?
2: Sounds nice though.
0: It up a little bit, which is frankly, what I mean, was no it? idea what the fuck it No, that it was. is yeah, the theme tune to The Last of Us, uh, which it's absolutely oh, true. That is the what? theme tune to the Last of Us game, which is uh one of the reasons I, I bought the a guitar game? because it has lots of nice acoustic guitar stuff in it. Oh. So I always wanted to learn to do it. So I found one of them their YouTube tutorial things, and I learned that. Wow. So there, there is more to it, but wow. I frankly didn't think you wanted to hear more. So.
1: You've massively improved. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah.
0: laughs> I've tried. I have been playing oh, now no, for really on and off for I'll one year. So there you go. That was very stressful. My first live concert. I feel, you know, transformed. <laughs> oh, God. To the millions watching people. <laughs> wow. Yes, indeed. To millions of people. I've just got out <laughs> live. Yeah. Uh, and with that debacle, uh, we have the end of an era. Um, the Pilot TV podcast will be back next week. Same time, same place. But I think it's fair to say, Boydie, that we'll have left a little part of ourselves behind. And, and I think this is a bit like the finale of the West Wing. And Terry, i could be honest, I've got this vision of you, like, on Air Force One, being flown back up north after the final show, kind of gazing phenomenally out of the window, having just left office. And of someone kind of walking into the, the cabin to ask you what you're thinking about. And you, like, never once taking your eyes from the clouds outside, wistfully reply, bellends. <laughs> But on that note, I think it's only fitting to give the last word to the Queen Bellend, our departing comrade, Terry White.
1: Oh, God, have I got to say something? You do. Um, Yes. uh, I'm going to keep this brief um, because we just had to sit through James's guitar playing, um, (laughs) uh, which you definitely seem to have gone backwards, by the way, but never mind. I hope you're not paying for those lessons. (laughs) (laughs) So it it has been an absolute joy and a privilege to sit here and talk to you guys every single week um it has mainly been an absolute joy and an honor to sit with my darling boy and james is all right i suppose um, it has been magical and a few of you have asked for this on twitter so for one last time allow me to say james you are a massive fucking bellend <laughs> And with that, pilot out.